All right, let's get ER Life episode two kicked off. Let's start by discussing ATP. That's adenosine triphosphate. And just as we began our discussion of ketamine and classical psychedelics like psilocybin and LSD, with a brief run through of their chemistry, that their SAR, their structure activity relationships, we'll do the same right here with ATP. So as the name implies, we've got triphosphate. What that means is we've got three phosphoryl groups in a series, one after another in ATP. The bonds linking each phosphoryl group, yeah, that could be considered a high energy bond. And that's because we've got oxygens as neighbors linked together. Now, oxygens, oxygens typically have an anionic character. What that means, they've, they've got a significantly negative character. Like charges, just like we said, tend to repel. And so when we've got these oxygen atoms linked and neighboring each other, it's like a coiled spring. And so the energy contained within those bonds, within what are called phosphoanhydride bonds, contains a substantial amount of energy. And that energy is put to use in living systems like our, like our bodies. That energy is, is used to power the many, many energetically unfavorable reactions that need to occur for our body to maintain itself. Every day, every moment, our body is completing and undergoing countless reactions that are by and large energetically unfavorable. Those reactions become possible by pairing the release of energy from the breaking of phosphoanhydride bonds, the transfer of a phosphoryl group from one molecule to another, and really harnessing that energy, that significant level of energy. Enzymes often act just like chaperones where they will, they will ensure that that phosphoanhydride bond is cleaved in the right time, in the right place, such that that energy is unharnessed. It, it's, it's put to good use. And so in our brains, where that's happening, that's happening in neurons, outside neurons, pretty much all over the place. Uh, just judging by the considerable number of ATP each minor event requires and we'll get into the specifics on that in just a moment but so in general atp is used for what's called membrane repolarization basically what's going on here is we need to sequester ions namely sodium and potassium ions on either side of a cell membrane and so when we sequester those those ions on one side of a membrane and then in, in a very controlled fashion we can release the flow essentially open up the floodgates and allow the ions to 
redistribute themselves, we could generate electrical signals just like with action potentials. And so the ATP required by an action potential, just that basic electrical signal fired down a neuron's axon at a minimum that requires 1.2 times 10 to the eighth ATP molecules. Yeah, that's 120 million ATPs at a bare minimum for a single action potential. And mind you, action potentials, I don't want to specify exactly how many. Let's just say a whole bunch are firing every second in our brains. They're, the, the signaling, it, it's occurring at all times, even when we're sleeping. And so you've got the uh, action potential going off. But you've also got, in the synapse, the exchange of neurotransmitters. Those are those chemical signals, like uh, dopamine, for instance, which we'll get into after we conclude this discussion, uh, brief discussion on ATP. Well, so the chemical signaling occurs usually with the uh, fusion of a vesicle from one neuron such that that vesicle fuses and then releases its chemical signals, its neurotransmitters into a synapse. And then those signaling molecules dock with and bind on the surface of another neuron, creating a cascade of activity leading to behavior, leading to thoughts, leading, leading to actual activity within our brain. But so a single vesicle that's going to require at a minimum 164,000 ATPs or 1.64 times 10 to the fifth. Really just reading the li- literature on this, which breaking news, we just uh, we've got a WordPress website where I will be posting all the citations. I'll be posting a web page for each episode. So the literature I'm referring to right here. Yeah, that'll, that'll be freely available on the webpage, which still got to kind of dot the I's, cross the T's on that thing and, and actually formally launch it. But this literature, reading it, internalizing it, really called to mind the, the saying of just like there are as many grains of sand on, on all the beaches on Earth, there are as many stars in the universe. Well... Really, we don't need to look to the heavens. We don't need to look to the stars to appreciate incomprehensible numbers. Those numbers of incomprehensible size, yeah, they're occurring and and they're, they're going on and they're pertinent and relevant to the activities that power our physiology, that give us the ability to think a thought and... The ability to, heck, carry on the legacy of Socrates and examine the unexamined. Really pop the hood and and think about what exactly is going on in our bodies to allow us to be alive. You could say all the grains of sand on all the beaches on earth, all the stars in the universe. That description can be used to describe all the reactions, the biochemical pathways, the interlinking activities occurring within our bodies 
to keep us alive. That's what's going on. It's on that scale. So really, we can look in inwards. We can look internally at the universe within, really. And, and we'll find ourselves in awe. So next up, let's get into dopamine. <laughs> 